1: Hi, this is Andrea Adams-Miller. I am filling in today for Ken Rashawn. He's having some technical difficulties and hopefully he'll be with us as soon as he can. You're listening to Amplified with Ken Rashawn here on Voice of America. I'm your co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller. And we are super excited about everything that's going to be happening today because we're going to be talking about intuition and higher consciousness, super exciting information. But first, we want to thank our sponsors, The Red Carpet Connection the Umbrella Syndicate, and Big Events USA, and of course, Voice America. First, we want to recap some great things, Is we want to be able to talk to Holly Brower, who's going to recap with us an event we went to last week, Habitude Warrior Conference, hosted by Eric Swanson. Holly, join us on the
2: line. It's a pleasure and honor to be with you guys this morning. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I am super excited
1: to hear what your uh, takeaways were from the Habitude Warrior Conference, um,
2: as you can share them with uh, Ken and I and our audience. Yes, absolutely. So, it was one of the best weekends. It's the Habitude Warrior Conference, where Eric Swanson, the host, he has some incredible guest speakers that he has come in from all over the world, about 33 guest speakers, TED Talk style. So, It was a lot of energy, a lot of great connections. Um, Some of the speakers were Sharon Lecter, who co-authored Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We had Frank Shankwitz, the uh, founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, It was just an amazing event that I would highly recommend to anybody that would love to get involved with that.
1: Yeah, it was certainly a lot of fun, and you did a lot of uh, help and assistance with the kids, so tell me about doing the Junior Habitude
2: Warrior. Yes, so I had the most fun because I got to, on the third day, we have the Junior Habitudes come in, so um, children between the ages of 7 and 17, the parents bring them in for a full day. They get to hear from a lot of the guest speakers um, that that were there with the parents and so it was, we had about 30 kids and they just had the most amazing time, um, you know, to be able to learn at that age and experience, you know, some of the stuff that we're going through now, those connections and, you know, the mind is so powerful. So, you know, putting that, you know, into kids at an early age, they're going to be way ahead of the game. Um, they absolutely loved it. They they got to graduate and walk across the stage. Their parents got to see it. It was so much fun. Um, they were a blast to be around. And then they also get to come back um, when they're 18 and be a leader and be part of the event. So it's a really, really great opportunity for the kids. Yeah,
1: it sounded really awesome. The times I was able to pop into the room and hear everything that was going on, it was very, very impressive. Of course, um, you know, with all the leaders that are there and the outreach that we're able to do uh, from Habitude Warrior. So it's uh, super amazing. So thank you so much, Holly, for sharing that. And tell us a little bit about you and what you do so that people can see what an awesome person you are. And again, we're going to have to have you back on the show where we talk specifically about you and what you're doing, because first of all, I need to give you a salute for Happy Veterans Day. Ken is also a veteran, so uh, thanks to him as well for serving our country and all the men and women all over the world who are doing things to create freedom for us so we can do things like have this very show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to to be here with you guys, and, you know, Ken, I thank him for his service and, you know, all, all the veterans that I've served. It's an honor to serve alongside them. and. So my experience, I've been in the military for 15 years, started in the Army for eight years, and switched over to the Air Force side. And it has just been an incredible experience, gone through a lot of training. I do public affairs, so I work a lot with the local media Um, and any, you know, VPs that come on base. I put together the itinerary for them and escort them and show them the amazing things that our military is doing. So it's very, very rewarding. And... When I was with the Junior Habitudes, we did the—you know—I taught them to stand at attention and at ease. They did some push-ups. It was really a lot of fun, and they enjoyed it. Um, So, you know, just being able to give back and serve my country is really what I truly love, and it's an honor to do.
1: Well, thank you. Absolutely amazing. So uh, go and uh, have your day to yourself. And I hope you can celebrate the things that you've done for our country and the things that you'll be doing in the future for yourself and the people around you. So thank you again so much for joining us, Holly. And how can people
2: follow you? Thank you so much, Andrea. It's such a pleasure to to be on here with you guys. Um, So I have social media. You can find me. I'm also a financial advisor full-time military part-time so you can find me on instagram under holly h-o-l-l-y underscore financial fitness we'd love to uh, connect with each and every one of you and follow your guys's journey as well so thank you so much andrea i appreciate it you're welcome talk to you later holly thank you have a great day uh huh. you too
1: and in a few moments, we'll be going on a short break. And, uh, but until then, I'm going to bring uh, Mark on with us and uh, give him, a, give him a sh- his introduction and his bio. And then we'll go to break and then we'll come back and talk more about higher consciousness and what we're doing in the world. So Mark uh, Gober, he's an absolute doll. Um, I had the pleasure of being able to talk with him about his book, and his book is about you know upside down thinking. In fact, I have it right here. It's an end to upside down thinking, dispelling the myth that the brain produces consciousness and the implications for everyday life. You see, it's a really interesting story about Mark because he's from the financial and business world, um, which is funny. We just talked about finances with uh, Holly there a brief moment. Um, he started in New yeah. York as as an investment banking analyst and then he left Wall Street to join a technology focused investment bank and strategy firm where he's a partner in Silicon Valley and he had been quoted in multiple business and technology uh, magazines and stuff like Bloomberg Business Week and a whole bunch of other media where he's been published internationally and he always had this burning desire to know more about the universe like was interested in taking astrophysics but it kind of didn't go with his like tennis career where he was so Super amazing in that area. Um, He actually then switched and focused on behavioral economics and did his thesis on the Nobel Prize winning prospect theory by Daniel. Colman or Kahneman I'm sorry and then uh, he heard a podcast and it got him thinking again about uh, the universe and this idea of what we think is reality and his friends are like you know you've got all this fabulous research that's totally changing my life you should uh, really go uh, and tell people what you're doing so Mark welcome to
3: the show thanks so much for having me
1: well, I'm certainly glad we have a minute till we go on break. So if you just give a brief overview about what people are going to find out when we talk in the
3: next half hour. Sure. So your listeners if if you're on the if you're listening right now, you you have a consciousness. You are aware. And what I look at in my book is what is that? We all experience it. It's a subjective experience. Like I can't I can't touch my consciousness or my mind, but we all have it. So the big question that I'm looking at is Where does that come from? Does it come from our brain or is our brain acting more like an antenna that is uh, providing a lens or a filter on how we experience reality? So this has big implications for even what it means to be a human being and our own identity.
1: Well, thank you so very much. And when we come back from break, you will be able to, uh, you know, find out what's going on and what Mark and I have talked about, about all crazy things from intuition and string theory and super string theory and how people are taking their lives and their intuition and trusting their gut to, um, you know, create a new reality for their futures. All right. And we'll be back after this.
4: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at Keyword Voice America.
5: The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice
4: America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
6: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers
0: Channel. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrella now back to amplify
1: This is your co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller. Ken uh, Rashon is uh, uh, having some technical difficulties, as always happens with radio, so maybe he needed to trust his intuition today to (laughs) do the radio from somewhere else. So until then, you're just going to have me until he can join us. And we have with us Mark Gober. Um, He is the author of An End to Upside-Down Thinking. And we are super excited to talk to him this next half hour about, you know, just Spelling the Myth that the Brain Produces Consciousness and the Implications for Everyday Life. Um, Mark, um, you know, I think one of the funnest things would be to do is let's create an upside down show. So let's talk about where you're going to go and then what you're thinking about doing in the future. And then let's revert back to find out how this all happened and what are the things that you've been finding out and exploring over the over these couple years of research.
3: Sure, sure. So we'll start with, with where I think things are heading in the future. Did I hear that correctly? You did. Okay. Well, I think that this really heads for, for me in terms of the, the implications of the work. And it's, it's to me, it's really a rethinking of our own identity as, as human beings. So where the research points is towards an interconnectedness between all of us that we don't see with our eyes, and it's kind of, it was a difficult concept for me to wrap my head around at first because I didn't realize that there was so much science that pointed in this direction, but what seems to be the case is that our own individual consciousnesses are connected as part of a much broader consciousness, and that has big implications looking forward for how we treat one another on this planet, both at the scale of individual relationships, but also between nations and much broader things that you know we have lots of issues happening on the planet and to me I think they are they are at the core tied to this to a false belief that we're fundamentally separate from each other so looking forward to me I think where this is headed is uh, a a an understanding of interconnectivity that I think maybe some people understand currently but I think it will become much broader as science begins to explore these topics even more
1: well, I definitely think you're correct. The more and more people I've been talking to over the last uh, couple years, couple months and last couple weeks, especially have been really exploring more about this. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. So let's kind of um, then go backwards now and, and talk about the different aspects along the way that have uh, really you know, made you uh, ponder uh, what's been really going on in our world and what we see as our reality.
3: Yeah, well, I I think it it comes back to what we first talked about, which is our own consciousness, which we know exists. We all have an awareness. Anyone listening right now is aware. So this is something that applies to every human being. The the question that I didn't realize was a question until I I got into the research was that we science doesn't know how our brain could produce that awareness. And Science Magazine has actually called it the number two question that remains in all of science. In other words, how does our physical body, like if if I can touch my leg, I can touch my arm, I can touch my head, my body is physical. If you ask me to touch my mind or my consciousness, I can't do that. So this is the big question that science doesn't know the answer to. How How is it that this body that's physical and touchable, how does it produce a mind that you can't touch? And we don't know the answer to that. When you start really digging into that question, I mean, we we know that there is a relationship between the way our brain's functioning and the the type of experience that we have. For example, if someone gets in a car accident and they damage their brain, then they might have memory loss or they might have cognitive impairments. So we see a shift in the brain state and then we see a a corresponding shift in their conscious state. So we know there's a tight relationship between the way our brain's functioning and what we're experiencing. The question is, is the brain producing that experience? Or is there an alternative? Is the brain like an antenna or like a filter, where there's some consciousness well beyond our bodies that the brain is showing us a limited picture of, that the brain is almost receiving? So that's a huge shift in how we think about our own identity and our own body. And what I argue in my book, An End to Upside-Down Thinking, is that if we view consciousness as being well beyond our body and we think of the brain and our body as being like the receiver of consciousness, then all sorts of things about life shift. So, if we think about uh, death, when the body dies under this alternative framework, then consciousness wouldn't die because consciousness was never dependent on the body in the first place. So that would suggest that when the body dies, it's not over for our mind, which is a huge deal. And that was something that really shook me when I when I realized that that was an implication. Another implication. And there are many different examples of this. Is the idea that we all have intuition abilities or psychic abilities, where we can know things that are not local to our body? Because if our brains like the antenna, then it's like we're picking up signals, and we might know things that are not just here and now. And that's another area of science that I've explored extensively.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that right now because our other guest, Sonia uh, Ch- uh, Co- Cho. Choquette. I believe I'm saying her name correctly. Uh, She um, has a book on Trust Your Vibes and she was supposed to be on with us today as well. However, uh, she also had some challenges. So it's kind of funny that um, we're having a show about uh, reality and our thinking of reality and intuition and what's happening in the world and, you know, and kind of how like things can break down or be different and how we think, but also things can break down in what we expect in this world, but yet be totally different when thought about in a different way, in a higher consciousness kind of way. And what i found is when I'm around people who are intuitive and a highly functional regarding consciousness, things will happen super crazy like technology won't work, uh, clocks will stop, uh, other stuff. Stuff like that. Uh, so I want, would like you to address maybe some stories and case studies you've read that address that what's happening today with both Ken and Sonia. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well these are more difficult to track scientifically because they're often anecdotal where they happen here and here and then. but in like your situation where you see it happen so often, it makes you really wonder if, if there's something going on. and I, the best example I can give that has been studied systematically or seen systematically is with regard to near-death experiences. So, people who have a near-death experience, in other words, they are close to death, like they're in cardiac arrest, for example, or some kind of major trauma to their body where they almost die. They have a very lucid experience where they're hovering over their body and sometimes they have a life review and they might see they'll call them beings of light and feel unconditional love then they come back in their body and they have a very new, they have a new perspective on life after this because they've seen and experienced so many things during the state what's often reported is that people who come back from the near death experience are both more psychic and electronics don't work as well around them and there's a, a funny joke that I actually mention in the book Dr. Jan Holden who is at the University of North Texas who studies near-death experiencers, when she's at conferences where there are researchers and people who have had the near-death experience, she says she always knows which people have the near-death experience because they're not wearing watches, because their watches malfunction.
1: So I also wear uh, watches. However, my batteries uh, die within, uh, within days or weeks, so I usually am wearing a battery, uh, a watch with no time.
3: <laughs> it, it, yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I talk to people who... Ne- haven't necessarily had near-death experience, but maybe they're just highly intuitive or highly psychic, and they say the same thing. They have to be very careful around their phone, even or their computers or their watches. So it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's quite bizarre. Um, I've I've learned of, uh, and I keep getting reminded of uh, uh, backing up all of my information because uh, that uh, weird magnetic erasing seems to happen over and over and um, uh, different. <laughs> so um, you know we're we're gonna we have another break here at the bottom of the hour, and I want to first open up another caveat of what we're gonna talk about, and I want to talk about the fact that different things like people, how people move things, um, psychokinesis, if I'm saying that correctly, Mm -hmm. and the idea of. Uh, When we know, when we have an intuition, uh, maybe a positive intuition, and we actually maybe um, in our lifetime, I'm seeing as people believe things and actually self-sabotage, afraid of what they see in the future of like maybe success and so forth. So I'd like to talk about those two topics. So I wondered if you could uh, give us a teaser before we go to break, and then we'll come back and talk about it more.
3: Sure. Well, I think... It, it, again, it comes back to this idea of, of understanding where our own consciousness comes from. So if we think our consciousness is not coming from our body, if it's coming from kind of ex, an external source, so to speak, then we have to wonder if there's value in the information that we're getting that might actually be helpful to us in some way that we don't fully understand with our limited mind. So when we get an intuition for something, whether it's negative or positive, maybe it's I mean, people say it's a sign or something. I'm much more open to that idea now that I think of consciousness as being non-local.
1: Well, that definitely makes sense in that regard. And then uh, the idea of uh, psychokinesis.
3: Yeah, and so on psychokinesis, what we can talk about is research that's been done at, at Princeton University for nearly 30 years, run by the former dean of engineering, where people are able to have a very slight but highly statistically significant effect on the behavior of machines using their minds. And these are everyday people, so we can discuss that more soon.
1: Oh, that is super super exciting, and um, and then of course we can talk about re- remote uh, viewing as well.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is the ability for people to perceive something without being there physically. So it's like seeing something with your mind that's very far away. And people actually at the U.S. government were doing this to find remote objects without actu- that were lost or uh, for psychic spying. So it's a fascinating area of research that it sounds unbelievable, but the more research I do on it, it seems like there's something there.
1: Absolutely. So uh, you've been listening to Amplified with Ken Rashawn. Of course, I'm his co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller. We want to thank our sponsors, the Umbrella Syndicate, Big Events USA, and The Red Carpet Connection, and of course, Voice America, of which we're airing on today. And we are with our guest, Mark Gober, the author of An End to Upside-Down Thinking, dispelling the myth that the brain produces consciousness and the implications for everyday life. And we'll be back after this short break.
4: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at Keyword Voice America.
7: I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore.
0: To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. And
1: so glad to have you all here listening to Amplified with Ken Rishon. Uh, I'm the co-host, Andrea adams Miller taking the lead today. And we're here with Mark Gober, and we're going to finish our conversation about – uh, seeing the future and sometimes people's fear of success or failure that can change uh, what they believe or change the path of the, what they have intuitively known or believed or seen happening. Talk a little bit more about remote viewing and psychokinesis. So uh, Mark, I'll let you start with the topic of choice.
3: Sure. So I'll start with the first one, which is knowing the future potentially before it happens or having an intuition that something might happen. And it's a phenomenon in science known as precognition, and all of these areas that we're discussing are extremely controversial in mainstream circles because they challenge so many of the the paradigms that have been around for so long. But the the topic of precognition is one that's really interesting because it, it raises questions about when we have a gut feeling about something or if we have a vision of something, whether there might be something to it. The classic study for precognition, which suggests that there is an effect even for everyday people, not even a superstar psychic who does it professionally, is it goes like this: the person is looking at a screen, and the screen is generate like a computer screen. It's randomly generating a picture, and it just has a flow of pictures. And sometimes the pictures are neutral like it's a picture of a mountain or a river or something very neutral that would not make the body, uh, it wouldn't stimulate the body in some way. Whereas in other cases, the pictures are very arousing, like it might be a violent image or something that's disturbing or something that's erotic, something that we know will have a subconscious effect on the body. Like when classical psychology studies are done, if you measure someone's skin or their eyes or their brain or their heart, After they see uh, an arousing picture like that, there will be a spike in those metrics. What the experimenters have done is to measure the body before the picture is even shown by the computer, and the person who's looking at the computer and looking at the screen doesn't know which kind of picture will be shown. Okay, so it's totally random. What the experimenters are finding is that a few seconds before the picture is even shown randomly, the person's body is responding very slightly in a direction consistent with the picture that is eventually shown. So it's like the future is having an effect on the past and the body is reacting to that future a few seconds before it happens.
1: That's amazing.
3: It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But getting back to your question about intuition and how do we, how do we interpret things like that? This is suggesting, at least at a very small scale, sometimes our bodies are telling us things about the future. So, uh, for me, it's made me think a lot more about if I'm sensing something or have a, a gut reaction to it, maybe it's something that I should be listening to because it might be that if this, you know, our consciousness is not confined to time, maybe it's my consciousness picking something up very subtly and it's something that we could be listening to.
1: You know, uh, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I So I'm going to share something with the audience that we haven't talked about much. And, well, we've always talked about the Keep Smiling movement. But what I haven't shared publicly is that um, Ken and I, we, we've known each other for about five years now and have been working together about mm, maybe four and a half, four. And we had um, an interesting experience where we had... Um, Uh, I had over 26 people uh, tell me that Ken and I were, Uh, Twins in another lifetime and that we'd been in each other's lives multiple times over and over again and it uh, was quite fascinating and quite interesting and I wanted to um, uh, and they also said that uh, three of them out of the 26 said that um, if he and I overcame the retributions from the current life and the past that we were going to do something to literally change the world together and at this point we are he had already um, been working with Barry Shore on the Smiling cards, and then Ken started the Keep Smiling movement, and that's where I came in and joined Ken for the Keep Smiling movement. So I see that very much as what's happening in the future for us.
3: Yeah, I hear stories like this all the time, and it, it, it goes back to this, it seems like the research is backing the, the possibility that there can be the, this, this consciousness that is beyond time and that there is information well beyond what what our eyes are showing us on a day-to-day basis. So I think it it is important for for us to start thinking on a on a much higher level and for me personally it's been a big shift to think about these possibilities.
1: Yeah. And I just got interesting fabulous news that Sonia Uh, was able to join us. So I am going to just bring her on live. Uh, uh, Erin, if you just bring her on, we'll just have her join the conversation with Mark and I, and then I'll introduce her to everyone as well. (laughs) Terrific. Sonia, are you on yet? Yes. Hi. I'm so sorry. I got stuck in traffic in Paris, but Oh, it's perfectly I'm, fine. We knew that you were having some uh, crazy challenges with the world and things that happen, and we were talking about how all this interesting stuff happens. Um, in fact, the host Sean right. wasn't able to be with us either, so hopefully he could still maybe join by the end because you were able to come through. And I wanted to make sure. Yeah, I and pronounced. I have
6: time. I have. Yeah. I, I can stay for a bit,
1: so I'm excited to get through. Oh, good. And I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Showcat. Showcat. So, Sonia, Showcat. Thank you so much. Let me introduce people to you. Uh, She is a celebrated worldwide author, teacher, consultant, who um, is really about trusting your vibes as a key to life. And Mm -hmm. of course, that's what we were just talking about. She's an enchanting storyteller. She's really uh, adept at taking people out of the pain and frustration of their lives and into a positive, happier experience. She's the author of 24 internationally bestselling books at the time of this post. And who knows what else is in her future? We'll get to hear and find out more about it and i'm so thankful that you were able to join us through our mutual friend jesse and i'm so glad that you were able to get through the crazy traffic of today and all the crazy technology things that happen and join mark gober and i and we can talk more about um i, you, I don't know if you were able to hear the story i just shared about ken and i and this movement we have called i was listening. listening yeah so and um, interestingly enough uh, Ken is not able to join us due to some difficulties and um, so uh, he's gonna have to hear the replay on this so Mark was saying that yeah this does happen that you know these things uh, show up and so I'd love to hear your take on it since the Keep Smiling movement is something huge and passionate to us about sharing the universal expression of love and acceptance a smile. Oh well, first of all i
6: just Congratulations on being the brilliant um, portal for that to come through. And right now, there's, you know, I think as we, were, as you were talking about with science, we definitely have scientific evidence that we share what are called neural protons, where energy jumps from person to person. It's not through our five senses. It's not through through conversation. It's not through language. It's through energy. And that energy travels from lifetime to lifetime. But it's... As we come together, we're at a pivotal point on the planet right now of of making some, um, you know, tipping point energy shifts, and the Keep Smiling Project is one of those. You know, you create enough of this energy gathering momentum. We don't need to get to 100% to shift the frequency of the planet. We only need to get to 51%. That's a tipping point. So I, I just feel like on the soul level, you came together with that intention, with enough vibrational clarity to be the portal, to be the the messengers, to be the ones to bring this forward. And the time is perfect. So you're you're not only fulfilling what would be a personal soul contract, but also you're fulfilling a a real contribution to the entire planet. Just by having this energy pop from one soul to another, but when you came together as, as souls to create this, that, there's, that also creates an exponential shift. It's like one person can start something, but when you gather collective souls and bring them together, it, it doesn't just get twice as, as intense. It becomes exponentially more intense, which is why this is happening. So it's very exciting.
1: Yeah, it definitely has been exciting to see how things are happening. And we've already reached out internationally and have been doing uh, multiple things. Ken's been to 103 countries. I've been to 40. And <clears throat> the more that uh, we have the cards, the Keep Smiling cards in 26 different languages, so we're able to outreach. And now we've uh, taken the movement and explored it so that we're working, um, having you know influencers and, um, and people like yourself and, and Mark hold the Keep Smiling card entrepreneurs entrepreneurs movers and shakers to help spread and promote the message and we've created the kind of like a modern day who's who with these little picture books that tell a story of somebody and then um, they share the love and they're all people who amplify goodness because we really want to shift to that focus of getting away from the negativity that we see and all the horrible things that are happening and so we really want to help change the world to that tipping point that you mentioned so I'm super excited that you said that.
6: And you're and you're doing too? it. That's what's That's so exciting.
1: exciting. Yeah, it's yeah, happening. You know, and I, I do have a question from you about that, and and this is a question that sounds only personal to us in the Keep Smiling movement for Ken and I, but it's really to all mm-hmm. of you that are listening, because all of you that are listening, um, there's a thing that happens with all of us that we have an idea or a belief or an, an interest, um, and, and Mark, you can comment on this as well, but a lot of times, then, I'll see, not only in my own life, but in others' lives, that there's some self-sabotage or, like, fear of the success of things happening Happening and how we counter, uh, respond to our intuition and actually create the opposite of what we want, what we believe can happen in desire or know can happen in desire.
6: Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think the predominant vibration on the planet is, and it's been a value system through millennium that deprivation and struggle is the moral superior. So we're breaking through that illusion and we start getting these brilliant ideas that that would not only elevate our own lives, but they would elevate the planet and bring about goodness. We are not used to that vibration. And any change, even a good one, is still a change. So people get... They're, they're, we're almost addicted in a way to the resistance of the goodness versus breaking through and actually finding our comfort zone in feeling good and creating good energy and sharing good vibes. So that is what we're shifting right now. So the sabotage is cultural, it's familial, it's lineal, it's lifetimes. The soul is used to something and we are breaking out of that. What's, you know, what what is morally superior, what makes the soul better is suffer, sacrifice, and don't have. And that's part of what I think is at the core of what's shifting. But it's, you know, one movement at a time, one person at a time. But we have to talk about this. I call it the how good can you stand it choice. (laughs) I love it. I love that. And, you know, just keep raising that. How good can you stand it? Because we've been told, we've been made to be, and there's an energy that's. like, afraid that if it gets too good, who do you think you are? Um. Who do you think you are? Like, there's some, there's some compromise. So, that, that would be my little contribution to this conversation.
1: Wow. Well, we're going to go on a short break. And when we come back, Mark's going to respond to that same question with his thoughts. And then we'll talk a few more minutes with Sonia and then go into rapid fire uh, where we ask both of you. Well, I'm going to ask you questions for both Ken and I and uh, have you respond so people can have an idea of the things that you like and enjoy and love so that they can follow and and do things like you do. And we'll be back right after this.
0: To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplified.
1: And we're back on with Amplified with Ken Rashawn. I'm your host, co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller. Our host, Ken Rashawn, isn't able to be with us today due to technical difficulties. And we have um, Mark, who's going to respond to the question that we were talking about right before we uh, left for break. And that's, uh, uh, go ahead, Mark, with that answer.
3: Okay. So there are are two things that are coming up for me in terms of the science that I've looked at around... um, belief systems both on the individual level and then maybe on the collective level. One is, is a, a relatively new field called epigenetics, which shows that what happens to our ancestors can affect us at a genetic level uh, generations later, meaning that if there was trauma that happened to our ancestors, we might be experiencing that even though we personally haven't had the physical experience of that trauma. So on, if we think about things collectively on this planet where there's been a lot of trauma in many different Areas of the world, just on a biological level, we are bound to have some of that baggage or or old emotion that is not necessarily ours. That is probably uh, swaying people in one direction. So that's something to be consider to consider in this area because it's not it's not an obvious thing that we see with our eyes, but it's happening at this kind of micro level of our own biology. So that's one. Another um, is your, it's reminding me of research that's been done at the University of Virginia at the Division of Perceptual Studies at the medical school for over 50 years on children who have memories of a life that is not theirs. And in some cases, the details that they're bringing up are very specific. Um, it's, it's hard to reason that the children were just making it up or that the parents told them because it's, they're so specific and the children are usually between the ages of 2 and 5 years old. In some cases, the children actually have birthmarks and physical deformities that match how they described dying in the previous life. So as I've looked at that research, I think there's something there. It's very compelling. But to the original question about uh, beliefs and fears that we all might have, I think this is another area to consider, where sometimes the children talk about a fear that they have that's related to how they died in the previous life. So maybe if they thought they, died, they drowned in the previous life, they're afraid of water, so we have to wonder as we think about the collective intentions and fears, there could be that element as well. That if, if there are, you know, other lives where we are transferring or carrying information from those other lives, that could influence our behaviors, our intentions, and our fears.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I always asked all my kids when they were between usually around three and um, I wrote it all down and my one daughter was very specific on her husband's name and what he did and what sport he played and everything and she's three years old and so it was was very interesting. It was, she said he played baseball and nobody in our house ever talked about baseball so it was always very interesting and we recently talked about finding all those notes and re-exploring them to see if we can find some history on it and uh, Ken has a five-year-old so I will have to encourage him to talk to uh, K3 and uh, find out uh, what he might be able to share with his family about his uh, past lives. Um, Sonia, uh, would you you like to add anything more to that?
6: Well, I have two feelings about this. One, I'm extremely, extremely excited that science is catching up with our multidimensional soul realities. I also tell my clients and students, I write in the book, that if you really want to open up to this experience and you really want to start engaging in it, don't depend on science. It's always nice to have it for that rational left brain, but the rational left brain is not that intuitive, multi-dimensional self. It's the, the right brain, the heart brain, the soul essence. So I think we need for both. It's like... For those who say, you know, you're crazy, it's like, well, actually science is supporting and I'm not, but let's not limit ourselves. There's really something really phenomenal that happens when you just give yourself permission to legitimize your experience, no matter if anyone else does or not. I'm feeling this i'm having this i can look into and ask myself what my own soul history says and believe it or not your soul will provide the answer you, you even if you're it will provide you insights at 3 but it'll provide you insights at 83 if you choose to recognize that you have this timeless self that you have access to and it can, it can guide you, provide you, give you, in, give you information, but it's not going to be intellectual. It's going to be vibrational. It's going to be a feeling, a sense, a vision. We can actually ask our own soul, why am I sabotaging myself? And if you well. actually would open that portal of possibility in yourself, you'll get your own answer. And it is accurate. And that's kind of what I'm advocating right now, in terms of changing. It's let's, just, let's let's applaud the science. I am grateful for it. Believe me, I've had to rely on it for with all my books and all my lectures and all around the world I go. I can, for those who are not current, you know, connected to that part of themselves. It's good to say, look, I'm not as crazy as it appears to you because you're disconnected. But I think we need to make a quicker shift. If you understand what I'm saying by just saying, you know what, it works for me. I'm well, going to go with this. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to leap forward. I call me crazy. I'm okay. With well, that.
1: that's the subtitle of the Keep Smiling books is Shift Happens so uh, we are wanting to create more shift in the world so we only have uh, four more minutes left so I quick want to go into rapid fire so I'm going to ask you a question and I'm looking for a, a, a short phrase or a one word answer depending on uh, the response to it so uh, uh, Sonia first um, who? what is your favorite book or the book that you recommend most for people to read
6: um, I like Kahil Gibran's book. Um, um, it, that's kind of a quick one. My other favorite is a book called Sean Teron. Awesome. And you, Mark? I
3: have a bunch. Uh, the one I'll, uh, that's coming to mind right now is called Letting Go, the Pathway of Surrender by Dr. David Hawkins.
1: Awesome. All right. And your favorite quote, Sonia? Trust your vibes. And you, Mark?
3: From Erwin Schrodinger, the famous physicist. He said, in truth, there is only one mind.
1: Nice. And Sonia, a mentor that you've had that you want to acknowledge? Um, Louise Hay. Wow. And Mark?
3: For me, so much of it has been reading uh, old literature. I'll, I'll say Dr. David Hawkins, even though he's no, no longer living. His books have been very influential.
1: Awesome. And um, uh, Ken travels all over the world and travels huge to him. So, Sonia, what is your favorite country and the one that you want to visit?
6: The favorite country I have right now is still India. And I want to visit Peru.
1: And um, Ken's wife is from Peru, and uh, speaking of India, I wanted to acknowledge you for your first global parliament of human spirituality from Hyderabad, uh, where my sister-in-law is from, and I've been there as well. And uh, Mark, what country is for you?
3: Country I'd like to visit is India, I've not been there yet, and my favorite country is Italy.
1: Beautiful. And um, I want uh, people to be able to know how to get a hold of both of you. So, Sonia, you first, if you'll share your uh, website and information.
6: It's my name, Sonia Choquette, S-O-N-I-A-C-H-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E dot net.
3: And Mark? And. Mine is my name as well. It's Mark Gober, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R dot com. And my book is An End to Upside Down Thinking.
1: And Sonia has, um, I think she's at 30 books now. Is that correct, Sonia?
6: 27. They're in 37 languages. And lots of great fun stuff on there to get you jump started right away if you want to kind of get into the shift right now. So you come and jump in. You can try some of the, the free tools and it'll turn on the light inside awesome so uh,
1: we will be following up with uh, putting out an article and so forth and and sharing more of your guys' information in the future and if it works out again we'd love to have you both on and so again we want to thank everyone for listening to Amplified with Ken Rashawn please like and follow us on social media and reach out to us with suggestions for future shows and we want to thank our host Ken Rashawn and salutes to him for being a veteran I'm your co-host Andrea Adams Miller and our sponsors big events usa the red carpet connection the umbrella syndicate and voice america and thank you so much to sonia chochet so boy i cannot have you speak today sonia chochet and mark gober for joining us today and please uh, follow them reach out to them and learn more about them so that you can expand your new reality and shift this world into more positivity with your higher consciousness and intuition thanks so much again everyone